amazing song that <laughs> I just love God's music you know some of it is very good some of it is not so good but you know it's true his word is alive I only found this song today it's the first time I heard it I think it's very beautiful praise the Lord and the people who are singing it you know full of motivation courage Love, rejoicing, singing the praises of our Creator just brings great joy to me. I hope you're all having an amazing day on the Sabbath day, 1st of April today, 2023. And it's Aisha here from God FM. You can find us on Podbean, Spotify, Amazon, Samsung, Chrome, Apple, Bit shoot for all our videos, got FM Media on Telegram for all our videos, 
and uh, all our sermons you can find them as i say on all those other platforms Podbean's really good it's free to listen and uh, if you wish to email me please do admin at godfm.org.uk we've got various platforms on telegram as well godfm news chat godfm bible school chat and godfm sermons chat um and got a media chat as well, and God's homeschool. Um, really good to be able to go and chat with other like-minded Christians and people who believe in the Word. Because <laughs> that's all it's all about, really. So I'm finding. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> my sermon today is called Backwards and Forwards. number one because i feel like we're going backwards and forwards i don't know about you but i'm finding that in the world at the moment i'm going round and round in circles (laughs) but also because jesus is the word yes uh but also (laughs) because he is the word everything's contained within the words so amazing um so the devil is dead lived backwards so often what you find is if you play with the words and you say them backwards you work out the that the meaning backwards is the opposite to what it says forwards um and you'll find this in the in the masonic ways you know with the evil ones they know some of the secrets you know they do they have hidden the knowledge jesus called them all whitewashers <laughs> So they they talk in a funny coded way, which is also prophesied that they'd have funny signs and symbols and secret signs and stuff. Uh, but they they also use all the words um, in in a witch in a witch way, you know, sort of um, an evil way. It doesn't mean that the word's evil. It just means that you need to know how to use the word. Because it's the sword, isn't it? The sword of truth, which is a double-edged sword. And you need your shield of faith as well. Faith, I think, is uh, really, really important. If you haven't got faith, then you've got problems. So I think the way you build your faith is through your struggles. And then, you know, after you've had a few little tumbles... And the Lord's picked you up and you've had miracles. You know that you can trust the Lord and you know that he's real. You know, it's funny, actually. <laughs> uh, so many people, uh, they worship Satan openly, don't they? There's pop stars and everything, yeah? They've sold their soul to make it and everything. And then you've got so many people who don't believe in God. And they believe in Satan. And uh, <laughs> it's so very interesting, I think. But one thing you can certainly be sure of is that God is real and uh, <laughs> he's made it very, very apparent in the last three years. Uh, I believe this is all the work of the Lord. He's fully in control of everything. So if you've got faith, then you won't have any fear. You've got to remember that Jesus is the word raised from the dead. Um, and so, you know, we have victory because he con- conquered Satan, um, defeated Satan and death. So, and he purchased us, those who are reborn in Christ and have handed our lives to Jesus. 
as sinners and admitted that we're sinners and that he came to earth to save us. So beautiful, isn't it? So let's get into this then. There's a few subject matters which all encompass truth and words um, about who we are as well and who Christ is and what he did when he was here. Some of these are questions that I've asked. You know, I am sometimes a bit dumb and uh, <laughs> I think, well, I know the answers. And they think, no, I don't really know all the answers. Um, I better, you know, put that more clearly in my mind. So I'm hoping this will help you as well. Okay. So John 1, the word became flesh. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He was a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, he came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Which I think covers everything I want to say, but I'm going to go into some other bits today. I think that's very beautiful. If you ever have doubts about who God is, just get John out and read John. Um, all of John's books are very good, actually. I really like them all, one, two, and three, John. And of course, the Revelation. Okay. My next heading is Jesus is the truth, the light, the life, and he is the only way, but he's also the word which is resurrected and alive inside us as we are letters within the word, but we're also the temple. So this is very important because there's not going to be a physical temple, okay, because we are the temple of God and we are the church. Um, so there's no buildings anymore. That's why Jesus came here, so that we can have a one-to-one -one relationship with the Lord without having to go through priests and synagogues and stuff. 
<laughs> so, but if you notice, Satan is the complete opposite to Jesus, who is the word and the life and the light and the truth. So Satan is death, darkness, sin and lies. Don't you think that's very interesting? You see, I think it's very interesting because the word devil backwards is lived. So that's why I'm doing this sermon about the backwards and forwards, because everything that Satan does is the opposite. And I suppose you could say it's backwards, <laughs> which I think is quite funny. But also, <laughs> today I had some dreams <laughs> and I had in my dreams, Amadeus, Amadeus, you know, that song, Amadeus, Amadeus. <laughs> And uh, and I was shown that Amadeus backwards is Adam is, Adamas. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. And there was a lot of other things in the dream. So that's what got me started with the with the sermon today. <laughs> um, while I'm discussing this, I might as well bring up uh, the other day we were talking about uh, some writings that were discovered about Jesus' appearance and uh and i've got i've got these letters i've read all the books outside the bible as well and so anyway uh, jesus was described as a blonde blonde and light-skinned with blue eyes and uh anyway it's held in the congress library in america as well so all of these books and, and written scriptures are authentic and so anyway hmm. I thought, well, you know, I sh I'm sure I did a sermon on this. <laughs> and I had these pile of papers on the end of my couch on the arm. And they'd been sitting there for about six months, you know, little books and little notes and printed out bits and pieces and things. And uh, and the Lord said, if you tidy up the um, <laughs> those bits and pieces, because I'd now put them under a chair, he said, if you tidy out those bits and pieces, there's something in there that you'll really like. <laughs> I was like, okay. So I tidied it all up. And would you believe, there was a sermon that I prepared, I think on the 9th or the 7th of September 2022, all about Jesus. And it's called, What, what Was the Colour of Jesus? Or something like this. And so I thought, oh yes. And in it, I'd put all of these the, the writings that I discovered giving an, a description. And so I thought, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> but I realized before I did this sermon, uh, I was contacted about doing a baptism. So I ended up getting distracted with that. And so it's very interesting, isn't it? How the Lord reminds you of things. And, uh, and I was thinking, yeah, I'm sure I did this sermon, but I haven't. So anyway, I'll be doing a sermon about all of that, which I'll do as a separate sermon. But that's just another testimony <laughs> of the Lord. Uh, you know, it's all about the truth, isn't it? Um, and uh, getting all the facts right. Everything's in the Bible. It really is. I have read all the other books, you know, the Apocryphas and things. And there's nothing in them that I found contradict what the Bible says. It just gives a little bit more details about the people and, you know, the other little things that went on. 
within the scriptures which aren't covered in as much detail in the Bible. So anyway. So, yeah, what I'm finding is uh, words, you know, we've got forwards and then we've got backwards and then we've got left and we've got rights. Now, left is when you depart, but it's also going left. And right is when you're correct and you're right, isn't it? And if you go up, it's good. <laughs> but going down is not so great, really. So these are the sort of things. And going backwards, of course, is no good. Um, but I just think that it's so interesting that it's built into these everyday words that you use. And you don't really realize that what you're saying has so much meaning it has double meanings so not only is the bible alive and the word alive because jesus is the word in heaven and the word in the bible which is alive and he's resurrected and made alive in us through his holy spirit but also what i'm finding you know picking up the bible the words jump out at me and there's several meanings for each word but also each sentence um, and what it's describing. There's various elements to it. And uh, also words jump out at me, like they, they literally climb off the page. And so I noticed this with the Bible, but I've also noticed it with other um, things like books and newspapers and all sorts of things. The words really are coming alive. So I'm finding. <laughs> but also there's nothing new under the sun, you know? Don't you think that's interesting that the Lord says that? So everything we're doing has been done before. Yeah. If you realize that we're a time within a time and a wheel within a wheel, we're in a third dimension. We got led away by Satan when we ate from the tree of good and evil. And there was more that went on in that garden. Come on. Because <laughs> Cain was the seed of Satan. Yeah, because he's not in the lineage. So this is really interesting, I think. And, uh, and soon after that, the Lord made us some clothes, Adam and Eve. And those clothes were stolen by one of Ham's descendants after the flood. So it's one of Noah's sons. There were three sons, Ham, Japheth, and Shem. And these clothes were powerful clothes, you know. Um, and uh, just before all of that, before the flood, there was the cave where we had a lampstand and all sorts of other bits and pieces which the Lord had given us, yeah. Uh, and Satan was all about taking us off the mountain and the children of Cain playing their grand, amazing music at the bottom of the mountain to tempt us off the mountain. So very interesting, I think. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, we, we find out all of these amazing stories. Um, so the words are all encompassed in this. And it's all about going backwards and forwards. So you've got what happens in the physical world is right next to the spiritual world. We're not dealing with everyday people in war. We're dealing with spiritual entities, which you cannot see. But you need air to breathe. And you can't see air. So that doesn't mean that air doesn't exist. Do you see? 
So God is real, just like that. But also, when Jesus describes the Spirit, he says it goes where it wants, you know, like the wind. <laughs> and so, you know, you cannot force the Spirit to do anything. And also what I found from the Lord is he showed me that you can't force anyone to love you. You can't. So interesting, you know. And so that's why I think the Lord gave us all free will because he wants us to come to him of our own accord. He's not going to force you to believe in him. And he's not going to force you to love him. But also Jesus says, when you know the end, you'll know the beginning. <laughs> I just think, you know, it's like a treasure hunt. You could literally be in the Bible uh, all your life, reading it, dissecting it, and you still wouldn't know everything. <laughs> and when you think you know everything, you realize you don't know anything. <laughs> I think it's uh, incredible. You know, God is so amazing. And the fact that he has time for us all, that he loves us all, and he makes time. He's there. He's listening to every prayer. Yeah, for sure. He's very real. <laughs> and he and he does like to show off. You know, don't ask for a Ferrari or anything stupid. But, you know, when you've got a problem, yeah, I always find it, <laughs> I'm stupid as well. You know, I, I, in the past, I've gone around all my friends and family and, and they've gone, and they don't want to know my problems. <laughs> they don't really care. Yeah. So then you're stuck and you're like, okay, I, I'm in a corner. So you go to the Lord and he always pro provides a solution. And it's always something amazing. And it's quite often right on the, you know, right on the button, on the last second, you know, when when you're just really on tenterhooks. <laughs> so amazing. And so, you know, also the questions need to be asked. A lot of people are studying the revelation because we're getting a lot of understanding from this. But also, I think it's important to study the beginning as well. When I was asking the Lord what to put on the website for God FM, I said to him, what do you want me to put on there? He said, in the beginning <laughs> was the word. And so that's what we have on there. So he's very mysterious, is the Lord, very majestic. But it doesn't mean he's not reachable. It just means that he will open up to you if you really search for him. And uh, you've got to be totally, how can I put it, at wit's end, I think. Just really search for God. No one else has been there for you. You find out that your family and your friends aren't who they came across as. Then you're like, all right, what have I got left? I had it, actually, <laughs> where, you know, people were so horrible. I thought, well, if you're supposed to be my family, what are my enemies going to be like? <laughs> and it gets to the point where you just stop caring, actually. Once you know that the Lord's there, you stop putting your trust in man and you stop putting your faith in them and stop, you know, putting all your hope in them to come and rescue you. You see, it's another thing. It's all about faith all these tests. If you're having a hard time, I can tell you, 
you're not the only one. We're all having a hard time in, in various different spheres. We are all at it. But the Lord is able to provide. He is. Because actually you come into the world with nothing. And this is just a temporary residence. You're in the world, but not of it. And Jesus said this. We must believe everything that Jesus said. If in doubt, just get all of the scriptures that Jesus said and put it on YouTube and get it playing. And let it play when you're sleeping as well. Because it'll sink into the back of your head and it'll stick there because the word's alive. So anyway, got slightly distracted. Hmm. Uh, so what's next on my sermon? Diddly dum. So good today. We've had horrible rain, you know. It's been so horrendous. And today I think is the first day of really nice weather for a long time. I saw something supernatural this morning. I'll tell you about it. When I came through, I was uh, <laughs> went through and uh, I was looking out the window, but I was half asleep and, uh, and I was trying to write down my dreams. And I looked out the window and I saw what looked like a funny sort of hula hoop. And um, it was in the ocean and it was multicolored and it was a luminous rainbow colors and the lights were moving round and round. I looked outside, but I couldn't focus, you know, and I looked at it and I couldn't really tell what it was. I was thinking, what is that? I was thinking, I must get these dreams down. So I quickly started writing the dreams down. And then I looked out again and then this thing had gone. And in in its place was a little um, speedboat. (laughs) And I thought, I should have... um, I should have filmed it, really. Very annoying. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think in order for us to understand the words, it's also important to understand a bit about Jesus. So let's get back to basics. We first got the nativity where Jesus' birth is in Bethlehem. And then we've got the circumcision on the eighth day after his birth. Jesus to the Mosaic law and then he sheds his blood for our sake. We've also got the Epiphany, which is the Maggie and the wise men that visit Jesus. And that's sometime in the first three years of his life, revealing him as the Messiah and the Savior. Then we've also got the presentation in the temple Uh, In another submission to the law of Moses, Jesus is presented in the temple at 40 days after his birth as the firstborn son of Mary, who thus belongs to the Lord. Then we've got the flight into Egypt when King Herod unwittingly alerted the birth of the Messiah by the wise men, orders the massacre of all male children under the age of three. And Joseph takes Mary and Jesus to safety in Egypt. Then we've got the hidden years in Nazareth after Herod's death, when the danger to Jesus had passed away. The family returns from Egypt to live in Nazareth. If you moments later. So from the age of about three until the age of about 30, 
the beginning of his public ministry, Jesus resides with Joseph until his death and Mary in Nazareth and lives an ordinary life. And obviously, this is very interesting that he's a carpenter and he's a manual laborer and he assists Joseph as well in his carpentry work. Now, in the books that I've been reading, there's actually a story where Joseph was making something for a very important person. It might be a king or someone. And he got the measurements wrong. So Jesus miraculously fixed it. It was very beautiful. Anyway. Mm-hmm. <coughs> what have I got next? So... But these are all called the hidden years. Very interesting. We haven't got a lot written in the Bible about it, but there are other books which tell me more about that. Then we've got uh, the finding in the temple at age 12. Jesus accompanies Mary and Joseph to the um, celebration of the Jewish feasts. And on the return trip, Mary and Joseph realize that Jesus is not with the family. They return to Jerusalem, then they find him in the temple. And he's teaching men who were much older than him the meaning of all the scriptures. And then we've got the baptism of the Lord Jesus, which was a public display. And he was 30 years old, approximately, when he started all of his ministry. And he's baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. And his Holy Spirit descends in the form of a dove. And a voice from heaven declares that this is my beloved son. It's beautiful, isn't it? So my my next heading is questions. <laughs> As I was saying, I have always got questions, you know. Sometimes I don't quite understand it all. Um... So my first question is, how long was Jesus on earth? Answer, the Bible does not say how long Jesus was on earth and when exactly he died. But we have further information in the Bible. Um, So we can gather some information. So let's see what we can find. We can trace through the history of the New Testament especially the Gospel of Luke, comparing it with Roman history, we conclude that Jesus was born sometime 6 and 4 BC of the current year system, if we believe that system. So it's quite hard to know. And it was uh, near to the time of King Herod's death. In estimating the age of Jesus, we can split the difference And we can assume that he was born in 5 BC. Then we can look at uh, the start of Jesus' ministry, look at Luke 3, 1. And it says that John the Baptist started preaching in the 15th year of Tiberius' reign, which, again, on estimations of man's year system, is 28 AD. Um. And then we can also try and determine the date of the end of Jesus' ministry based on the number of Passover feasts Jesus observed during his public ministry, three of which are mentioned in the scripture, 
he ministered for approximately three and a half years. That would place the end of Jesus' ministry approximately in the year 33 AD. So it is likely that Jesus was crucified in 33 AD of this man-made year system, which might not be correct, okay, sorry to tell you that. (laughs) And so we've got that as an estimate, yeah. And we've also got that Pontius Pilate, according to our history data, from 26 AD to 36 AD. Um, so if we do the math, we we get approximately 33 years for a total of 37 years. So Jesus was approximately in his 30s when he was crucified, de- depending on the exact date of his birth, of when he be- began his public ministry. So I think that's also very interesting. So how old was Jesus when he died? He was approximately 36 years old. So we are led to believe. A lot of people claim that he was 33, which is also very interesting because 33 is a Masonic type of number that is quoted. These are all the things that I find really interesting. So I thought I'd bring them to you. Uh, you've also got 33 vertebrae in your in your back, so very interesting, I think. Um, the tribes of Israel being 144,000, you got 72 um, female blood cells, and then you've got 72,000 on the male side, making 144,000. All of it doesn't discredit the Bible. All it does is confirm that the Lord is real in my opinion. Hmm. My next uh, section here is questions. (laughs) Was Jesus resurrected after three days? Well, according to Paul, yes, he was. Uh, Jesus was raised to life on the third day in his resurrection of his body. and the this tomb was discovered empty. So what we have is Jesus himself showing himself as alive to the 12 disciples and inviting them to touch him because his spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. That's what he says in Luke 24, 39, which I will read you in a minute. But also... He invites Thomas to probe the scars in his hands in John 20, colon 24 to 29. And the speeches of the apostles in Acts similarly assert to the flesh of Jesus as being raised without undergoing decay. (laughs) And also Jesus as a risen Jesus from the dead ate and drank also with his disciples which I think is also so incredibly interesting. Uh, <laughs> so in the, both the Gospels of Acts, um, both the Gospels and Acts, Jesus' resurrection is portrayed as a concrete physical event involving Jesus' flesh and bones. And the resurrection event is understood as the fulfillment of God's promise to conquest death 
bringing the hope of bodily resurrection for all who believe in Jesus Christ. And you can find all of this in John 5, 24 to 29 and 6, uh, 39 and Acts 4, 1 and Acts 23 and Acts 24 and Acts 26 and Acts 23 again. Uh, Matthew 27 as well, 52. Okay, so Paul in Corinthians 15, he envisions a heavenly or spiritual body which excludes the participation of earthly mortal bodily body in the final salvation. So, you know, you get, get quite a lot of information by doing comparisons, comparables, parables. <laughs> so let's read Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, but if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain, for I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and he rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, that I am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God but by the grace of God I am what I am and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain but I labored more abundantly than they all yet not I but the grace of God which was within me therefore whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so ye believed. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching in vain? And your faith is also vain, ye, and we are found false witness of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. You are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man 
came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits. Afterwards, they that are Christ's at his coming. Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he hath put all things under his feet. But when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead, if the dead rise not at all? Why are they then baptized for the dead? And why stand we in jeopardy every hour? I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage just it me? If the dead rise not, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. <laughs> Awake to righteousness, and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. But some man will say, How are the dead raised up? And what, with what body do they come? Thou foul, thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened, except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be. But bear again, it may chance of wheat or of some other grain. But God giveth a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for one star differeth from the other star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption, and it is raised in corruption, in incorruption, as in uncorruption. It is sown in dishonor, and it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness and raised in power. It is sown in a natural body, and it is raised in a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last man, Adam, was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, 
but that which is natural, and afterward, that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy, and is the heavenly. Such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must be put on incorruption, and this mortal must be put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brother, brother brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Beautiful. I think that just covers everything, you see. Paul's trying to explain, if I may put this in, how our fleshly bodies have to be raised from the dead. We have to be born into the corruptible body, flesh, to be raised so that we become incorruptible bodies, spiritual. And it's a process and it'll happen suddenly, you know, on the last trumpet. There's so much in what he writes. Very, very beautiful. And so much hidden in that as well. Which is hard to put into words because he says so much in one sentence. <laughs> very clever, I think. Very clever indeed. So... Also what's interesting is that at the time that Jesus was risen, Paul didn't really know much about all of this going on, okay? So when he's talking about this in Corinthians, he had a first-hand experience because Paul was a persecutor of God's people. He searched out the apostles and the disciples to kill them all. He couldn't stand them. He was a Roman and he was also a Pharisee. And he was also a Jew. So what we've got is all of these factions and bits and pieces in here. And Paul was a, in total opposition until Jesus appeared to Paul. And he blinded Paul so that Paul had to go and um, see one of the other disciples and be unblinded. Yes? So this is very amazing. And uh, Paul became one of the biggest ministers 
to Christ and the truth of Christ and the resurrection of Christ in all of his books. I think he wrote... Um, well, most of the books in the New Testament are written by by Paul. Um, I can't remember exactly how many he wrote. I'm not going to try and quote it. But it is very interesting um, because he wasn't one of the original 12. Hmm. But also, I wanted to read you this as well, which is 2 Timothy. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. You see, what's so beautiful about this is that Paul was looking at the interests of all of us in preaching and writing all of the scriptures down, and he risked his life for us. This is the love of a brother. So in in his doing all this, he was trying to demonstrate in his own way the love of Christ. And, and this is as we are also called to do. It's so beautiful. And he also says, here is a trustworthy saying, if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. And then he also talks about dealing with false teachers. Now we are dealing with quite a lot of false teachers. So I'm going to read this also, because as I've discovered, the, you know, the main teachers of the Bible don't really give us full understanding of the spiritual, uh, the body, and all of these things, which I think all come into it, especially in these days, because we're fighting a spiritual battle. But we need hope, don't we? That we're all going to be resurrected, alive in Christ. And this is only temporary. You must remember this. Okay. Keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is for of no value. And it only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who does not need to be ashamed and who, is cor who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter, because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. <laughs> uh, among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have departed from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place and they destroy the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription, the Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some are for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes 
made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. And they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. So also, <clears throat> that's so important because, yeah, I mean, I run quite a few channels and I do come across people and they really do quarrel. <laughs> I find it when they don't agree. Yes. And then what happens is they become uh, quite angry that you don't agree and they don't want to hear your your un understanding or whatever. <laughs> and they get quite nasty to the point where, you know, they'll only be your friend <laughs> if you agree with them. <laughs> and for me, I just find that so funny because I just think, you know what, I'm not bending down for anyone. Because <laughs> if I know something in the Bible, then, uh, you know, I will illustrate it with the scriptures and demonstrate what God's been saying all along. So, um, and so you have to fight for the truth. <laughs> But in the nicest way possible, yes. And so I've had a few interactions with some people recently, one particular lady. Anyway, and in it, it didn't matter what Bible scriptures I put to her to confirm my point. <laughs> she just wasn't reading it. And I find this with the people who have had the blue banana. They don't want to hear me. It doesn't matter what I put in front of them. It really matters not. They are just not going to hear me. <laughs> They're not going to read anything I put in front of them because they're blind spiritually. Yes. So very interesting, I think. <laughs> but you also get it at different levels with ch the children of God, which is interesting because Paul fell out with Peter in the Gospels of Acts. If you read the book of Acts early on, they had a big fallout. And uh, Peter went back on uh, the old Torah ways with the circumcision and Paul disagreed because we're now circumcised that. in our heart, you see. And so, but then later Peter acknowledges Paul and I think that's very beautiful. So, you know, we need to remember that we're all on the same team if we are reborn. But some people... You know, we're just all at different levels, I think. Some people haven't got the Spirit. If they're not really reborn and they're not changing, then they can't have the, the Holy Spirit. If they're still behaving like the pagans, you know, the unsaved, then what difference is there between them and the unsaved? You need to have some something that identifies you as saved in the way you conduct yourself, I think. Hmm. So anyway, my next question is, how long was Jesus resurrected for? Hmm. 
apparently, well, it's right here. No, I've got my notes. For, for Christians, the resurrection is the belief that Jesus came back to life three days after he died on the cross. The Gospel of Luke 24, Kailan 1-9 explains how Jesus' followers found out that he had been resurrected on the Sunday after Jesus' death. Jesus' female followers went to visit his tomb. So, in Luke 24, colon 1 to 9, Jesus has risen. Let's read that. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices they had prepared and went down to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, Suddenly, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in, with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of the sinners, be crucified on the third day, be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all of these things to the eleven and all the others. If we are raised with Christ and there is not a lot of mention of his resurrection, then in Timothy is the author not speaking about the resurrection as it happened. So, these are important to remember. Um, to do the comparisons of all the Gospels, and in there, you've got all the different eyes. Yeah, what I mean by this is each person's written account. So you've got Paul's written account, and then you've also got Luke's written account. And you know, all of the, the Gospels tie in nicely. Also in books of Acts as well. They illustrate it really well. Hmm. Also, they, I've noticed that in the Bible, they've removed some of the scriptures that refer to the resurrection as well. That's very interesting. So when the Jehovah's Witnesses came into being, they removed about 120 scriptures from the Bible. And there was a big hoo-ha over it. And, um, and made changes and everything. And uh, anyway, with our current Bibles, there have been many more than 120, more like a thousand changes. So it's very interesting, I think. So my next heading is Jesus, 40 days. Why did Jesus stay around for 40 days after he came back from the grave instead of going immediately into the heavens? So the answer is one reason Jesus stayed on earth for 40 days after his resurrection instead of ascending immediately into heaven was to demonstrate to his followers that he truly was alive. After all, they knew the Roman authorities had put Jesus to death and that his body had been taken down from the cross and sealed in a tomb. And when that happened, they were filled with despair and fear. Many even went into hiding. They had believed Jesus was the promised Messiah and now their hope was shattered. They had forgotten his promise that he would return from the grave and they felt they had no future. But when Jesus appeared among them after the resurrection, their lives were changed. The greatest miracle in all history had taken place. Jesus Christ was alive 
During those 40 days, he appeared to various groups of disciples, proving beyond a doubt to them that he had been raised from the dead by the power of God. Over two decades later, the Apostle Paul wrote that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, as he wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, 6. Another reason, however, why Jesus stayed on earth was then to teach his disciples and apostles to prepare them for the task of telling the world about Christ. So, Jesus was here 40 days on earth after his resurrection. Let's find out what they say in Acts about this. Acts 1, 1-3, The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up. After that, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Very, very interesting. Ah, yes, good. We've got to pause. So, you see, what I like also, when you read the Bible, you get all of these amazing words, don't you? See, what was this word? Dilly dum. Infallible. Lovely word. Very lovely word, Dad. Um, and, it, you know, infallible sounds a bit like unflappable. Uh, unflappable to me means groundbreaking, hard as a rock, solid as a rock. Uh, in terms of evidence, there's nothing that you can argue with it. You can't, you can't destroy it. It's so solid, <laughs> solid evidence. <laughs> oh dear. Um, and then my next heading is: Where was Jesus for three days after the death? Um, so the answer is after Jesus said it is finished on the cross he bowed his head and gave up his spirit in John 19 colon 30 his dead body remained on the cross until it was taken down and placed in the nearby tomb in John 19 colon 40 to 42 his spirit however was elsewhere three days later his body and spirit were reunited and he rose from the dead in John 20. There is some speculation about where Jesus was, that is, where his spirit was. For the three days between his death and resurrection, the clearest indication we have in scripture of where Jesus was between his death and resurrection comes in his conversations, conversation on the cross with one of the thieves crucified next to him. The believing thief asked to be remembered when Jesus comes into the kingdom, into his kingdom in Luke 23, colon 42. And Jesus replies, truly, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. So after his death, Jesus went to the place of blessing where God is in heaven. And that's where the believing thief went as well. Okay. Uh, in the discussion of where Jesus 
was for the three days between his death and resurrection. In another passage is often mentioned, 1 Peter 3, 18 to 20 says, Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteousness for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared. Some take this to mean that Jesus sometimes, sometime between his death and resurrection, went to hell and Hades, and made announcement of some type to the spirits imprisoned there. Within this interpretation, the spirits Jesus addressed could be either demonic or human. By the way, I might as well tell you, I've read the other books and he did go to hell. <laughs> so he did conquer hell down there. Okay, so we have got this as well, confirmed in the other books. Uh, but there is another interpretation of one Peter passage. In this interpretation, the spirits are people currently in hell. But Peter is not saying Jesus made a special trip to Hades hell to preach or to proclaim anything. Rather, Peter is giving parenthetical information about something Jesus had done previously in history, namely that he had in spirit preached to the people of Noah's day while they were still living on earth. That wicked generation heard that message and rejected it, perished in the flood, and are now in prison. The word now in 1 Peter 3, 19 is provided for clarity in the Amplified Bible and the New American Standard Bibles of 1977. And it contradicts with the long ago and formerly of 1 Peter 3, 20. What does this mean? Okay, it's important to tell you about this. The way I interpret it, is that uh, Jesus freed them from hell. Yeah. When we used to die, we'd go to Sheol. Yes. And Jesus bought us from death. So, And also it says in the Bible, praise be to you who die in Christ from now on. Yeah. Because I believe, according to what I've read, um, that Jesus conquered hell and death and Adam and Eve were brought back to the garden according to the prophecies that uh, after they ate from the tree of good and evil, uh, God cast them out of the garden for five and a half days. And that's according to the books of Adam and Eve. And so five and a half days is God's five and a half thousand years. And Jesus came here exactly five and a half thousand years according to the prophecy. And God himself would die for us, as prophesied. So this all fulfills it. And God, Adam and Eve will have gone back into the garden. Um, this also means, if I'm correct, that uh, when you die, you wouldn't go to Sheol anymore. You'd go to heaven. And there'd be a waiting area of type and form. So nobody's sent to Sheol anymore. I don't think so in, anymore because Jesus fulfilled that. That's what I think, all right? So I don't know if that helps you, all right? Um, and that also explains, you know, when people die and they come back, yeah, and they say, oh, I died and I met Jesus. <laughs> and uh, so I've, I've studied a lot about it. 
And there's so many people who have met Jesus when they died and um, and they've had to come back because their life wasn't quite finished here, you know, still had things to do. They wanted to stay there, so apparently it's really beautiful. But I've also, uh, in my studies and research about the Bible and the truth and the Lord, um, I've looked for other people who, you know, to see what happens when they die. And I've never come across anybody who's met Allah, okay? And there was a Muslim guy, and he saw Jesus, and he said, oh, are you Allah? And Jesus said, no, I'm not Allah. <laughs> I'm Jesus. <laughs> Allah is Satan, <laughs> the devil. So very interesting. And then he became a minister, yes. And uh, he was called to preach, save all his brothers and sisters. So it's very, very beautiful um, when you realize all of this as well. Um, but also, according to this alternate interpretation that I was just going on about, um, with the um, in 1 Peter 3 colon 9, that contradicts with everything else slightly differently. Uh, Christ was in Noah spiritually when Noah preached to his doomed neighbors. To better explain here is a paraphrase of 1 Peter 3, 18 to 20. Jesus was put to death in the flesh, but he was made alive in the spirit. It was through this same spirit that Jesus long ago preached to those who are right now in prison, those souls who disobeyed during the time of God's great patience when Noah was building the ark. According to this view, Jesus preached spiritually to the people of Noah's time. And he did this through the prophet Noah, in much the same way that God speaks through us today when we proclaim God's word. It's very beautiful. Right, okay. Um, in Ephesians 4, colon 8 to 10, is another passage used in this discussion regarding Jesus' activities for the three days between his death and resurrection, quoting Psalm 68, colon 18. Paul says about Christ, when he ascended on high, he took many captives. Ephesians 4, colon 8. The ESV puts it that Christ led a host of captives. Some say this refers to an event not elsewhere described in the scripture, namely that Jesus gathered all the redeemed who were in paradise and took them to their permanent dwelling in heaven. That is, after securing their salvation on the cross, Jesus brought Ad Abraham, David, Joshua, Daniel, and the beggar Lazarus, the thief on the cross, and everyone else who had previously been justified by faith and led them from Hades, the abode of the dead in general, to their new spiritual home, which is Sheol, you know, which was, so this Hades is Sheol. Okay. Another view of Ephesians 4 is that ascended on high is a straightforward reference to Jesus' ascension. Christ returned to heaven victoriously as God. In his triumphs, Jesus has defeated and taken captive our spiritual enemies, the devil, death, and the curse of sin. All of this is to say that the Bible gives a slightly different angle of information about exactly what happened with Jesus for the three days. As I say, different eyes, different versions of what happened. So like I say, he conquered the devil and uh, death and purchased us and that means you as well and me 
and everyone else who believes, all the children of God, which I think is amazing, according to all the books I've read. So this is correct. Beautiful. Okay, so this means we've got no fear. Mustn't have any fear. This is temporary, temporary residence here on earth. And we've got long-term salvation to, to remember and to rejoice in because we're saved by grace, not by works. That's another one that's important. <laughs> My next heading is, was Jesus a Jew? Well, no, he was not a Jew. In John 8, colon 44, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So a fuller explanation of this, is if I read you all of this, yeah, you'll get a fuller understanding. Jesus kept getting approached by the Jews. And Jesus, when he was asked what he was doing, he told them that he'd come to preach to the lost tribes of Israel, which I'll quote to you as well a bit later in this sermon. And so if these Jews were the lost tribes of Israel, he would have said it. Yes. He said, no, no, you are of your father, Satan, the father of lies. Yes. Um, So we've got to remember that also. Um, So let me go into a fuller explanation in John 8. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, My testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. Judge no one. I judge no one. Yet, if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true, I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, Where is your Father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. These words he spoke in the treasury, as he taught in the temple. But no one arrested him, because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, Will he kill himself, since he says, Where I am going, you cannot come? He said to them, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for nonetheless, You believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So so they said to him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning. (laughs) I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world 
what I have heard from him. They did not understand that the uh, that I've been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. The truth will set you free. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are the offspring of Abraham, Yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father and you do what you have heard from your father. You are of your father the devil. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works of Abraham and what he did. But now you seek to kill me a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works of what your father did. They said to him, We are not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, But he who sent me, why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his own character, for he is the liar and father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, You do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Before Abraham was, I am. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answers, I do not have a demon. But I honour my father, and you dishonour me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died, question mark, and the prophets died? And who do you make yourself out to be? 
Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say, He is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Question mark. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. So, yes, the Jews are the children of Satan. Okay? It's really simple. Jesus was not a Jew. He was not the same as them. We've been taught wrong. Please remember this. It's important because the fake Jews in fake Israel, because Israel's not a place, all right? It's not. Um, they claim to be the children of God and they get all the funding from all over the world and are treated as if they're God's children, but they're the wrong color. They've got big fat noses. They live by the Dead Sea, which is black and dead. And that's Sodom and Gomorrah. And you can't fit 120 kingdoms in Palestine, which is ugly. It's not the place. It's not God's place. For sure. That's my opinion. All right. What you find is if one person's capable of telling little lies, they can tell big lies. And let me tell you, you've had some very big lies told to you. Yeah, because of the orphan trains and the incubator fears of the 1850s and right up until the 1930s, you can just tell they did a really big reset. Yes. What happened to the parents? That's what we need to know. So we need to look back at history, which is his story, the truth. Okay. Um, So then, um, just to reiterate, the Jews are the children of Satan. Yes, I've proved this, but I'm going to read to the Church of Philadelphia in Revelations. Yes. To the angel of the Church of Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David, what he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of my city of my God, the new Jerusalem which is coming down out of heaven from my God, and I will also write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So also, this that's very interesting, isn't it? Um, so then we have, um, by the way, Philadelphia, 
One of the reasons they call paedophiles paedophiles is because it's an anagram, same word as Philadelphia swapped around, all the letters swapped around. So their their paedophile movement is against the Church of Philadelphia. Yeah, very interesting it is. So... <laughs> the other thing I've noticed, um, and I've come across some info which might be useful, is the Gentiles word is actually, in the original Aramaic, meant to say nations. Mm, interesting. So, some of the words Gentiles are meant to be nations. So I found. But yes. This is on my studies. I just thought I'd drop it in there. <laughs> we are not the Gentiles people, yeah. We're the children of God. We were scattered. Yeah, I believe this. If um, if you realize that the children of God are the, the Christian people, the lost tribes who, you know, they're lost, okay? What does that mean? Well, they're lost. They don't know who they are. They don't know where they are. <laughs> and Jesus came to preach to them. Yes. It's beautiful, it is. Um, so, you know, this, I think, really comes into it. Yeah. Satan always masquerades as an angel of light. So do his little cronies. They are, the, the fake Jews pretend to be the real Jews, and they are not. Okay. My next heading is uh, three days in the belly. Uh, so in Matthew 12, colon 44, as Jonah was three days and nights in the belly of the huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Which is very interesting. Because if you notice, when Jesus was here, you know, he was saying this. Um, and this is what he uses as a reference to the final days. So, everything's about this three days. Three days dying, three days being resurrected. So, in a way, in our fleshy bodies, the way I look at it, is that um, we have to die, in a way, on earth, in the physical lusts. Those desires, have to die you have to forgive everyone so you're throwing away your old heart and god gives you a new heart which is circumcised so you don't need to have circumcision on your body anymore because it's circumcised on your heart spiritually and you get this new heart which is not only a new heart you get the new, the holy spirit which means god dwells inside you but also the, ten, the, the commandments, all the laws are engraved in the heart. So it's no longer you doing the speaking or the works. It is the spirit inside you because you're reborn and made alive in Christ. It's just blow your mind amazing. You I think it's totally wow. So, yes. <laughs> um, I've already told you about Amadeus. Um, I also had a dream about an ark, which I'm going to try and get ready as a sermon, when, in which I was shown that the ark from Noah's time is the same as the temple um, from Solomon, 
And it's also the same as the tabernacle. Um, and I need to look at the measurements, the entry points for all of them, and the fact that God shut the door on the ark as well. The children's names, Noah's names, and what else was there? Uh, our temple, as in the body of Christ, being also the same. Somehow it's all related, and also your pineal gland. And the shape of the pineal uh, is the same as the ark as well. And that all the measurements will also all add up. So I'm just about to do a big study on it. I've started it, but I'm still very early on. I often get sidetracked onto some very interesting subjects within my study matter. And then I end up gone for days. Yes. (laughs) Now, my next heading is truth is thrown to the ground. And this happens uh, when the beast is in charge. And Daniel talks about it. And I'd like to read this to you because I feel like the truth has become lies and lies have become truth. And so, you know, they really push the, the pedophilia, don't they? But you can't go out and minister and preach the word of God because you get arrested. But you can draw, you can dress up as whatever you want and go in the wrong toilets um, and wiggle your bum around and all those things um, in front of children which is sick, but you can't preach the word of God. So this is also, from my point of view, a big sign that we really are in those times. So I thought, you know, let's see what Daniel was saying was happening when this happens, because we're in this time now, aren't we? So these are the things that I ask questions about. And uh, when I was putting my sermon together, I thought, you know, I'll just share with you what, what might go through my head. Yeah. All right. Daniel 8, 1. In the third year of King Belshazzar's reign, I, Daniel, had a vision after the one that had already appeared to me. In my vision, I saw myself in the citadel of Susa in the province of Elam. In the vision, I was beside the Ulai Canal. Ding dong. I looked up and there before me was a ram with two horns standing beside the canal and the horns were long. One of the horns was long, longer than the other, but grew up later. I watched the ram as he charged towards the west and the north and the south. No animal could stand against him and none could rescue from his power. He did as he pleased and became great. As I was thinking about this, suddenly a goat with a prominent horn between his eyes came from the west, crossing the whole earth without touching the ground. He came towards the two-horned ram and I had seen standing beside the canal and charged at him with a great rage. I saw him attack the ram, furiously striking the ram and shattering his two horns. The ram was powerless to stand against him and the goat knocked him to the ground and trampled on him and none could rescue the ram from his power. The goat became very great, but at the height of his power, his large horn was broken off and its place and in its place, four prominent horns grew up toward the four winds of heaven. Out of one of them came another horn, which started small but grew in power to the south and to the east and towards the beautiful land. It grew until it reached the host of heavens and threw some of the starry host down to the earth and trampled on them. It set itself up to be as great as the prince of the hosts, It took away the daily sacrifice from him and 
the place of his sanctuary was brought low. Because of rebellion, the host of the saints and the daily sacrifice were given over to it. It prospered in everything it did, and the truth was thrown to the ground. Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to him, How long will it take for the vision to be fulfilled? The vision concerning the daily sacrifice, the rebellion that causes desolation, and the surrender of the sanctuary and the host that will be trampled underfoot. He said to me, It would take 2,300 evenings and mornings. Then the sanctuary will be reconsecrated. While I, Daniel, was watching the vision and trying to understand it, there before me stood one who looked like a man, and I heard a man's voice from the Uli calling, Gabriel, tell this man the meaning of the vision. As he came near the place where I was standing, I was terrified and fell prostrate. Son of man, he said to me, understand that the vision concerning the time of the end, that this is that the vision concerns the time of the end. While he was speaking to me, I was in a deep sleep with my face to the ground. Then he touched me and raised me to my feet. He said, I am going to tell you what will happen later in the time of wrath because the vision concerns the appointed time of the end. The two-horned ram that you saw represents the kings of Media and Persia. The shaggy goat is the king of Greece and the large horn between his eyes is the first king. The four horns that replace the one that was broken off represents the four kingdoms that will emerge from his nation but will not have the same power. In the latter part of his of their reign, when rebels have become completely wicked, a stern-faced king, a master of intrigue, will arise. He will become very strong, but not by his own power. He will cause astounding devastation and will succeed in whatever he does. He will destroy the mighty men and the holy people. He will cause deceit to prosper and he will consider himself superior. When they feel secure, he will destroy many and take his stand against the prince of princes. Yet he will be destroyed, but not by human power. The vision of the evening and the morning that has been given to you is true. But seal up the vision, for it concerns the distant future. I, Daniel, was exhausted and lay ill for several days. Then I got up and went about the king's business. I was appalled by the vision. It was beyond understanding. Notes 8, Daniel 8, colon 12, speaks of the Antichrist throwing this truth to the ground. So I believe this is this time right now. (laughs) and if you notice it's the angelic side as well so it fits in with the revelation also Um, those who truly love Christ must have come to him with an understanding that he is the only hope of salvation indeed he says of himself in John 14 6 I am the way the truth and the life and no one comes to the father but through me So Jesus is the only way out of this situation. And that's why Jesus had to come here. But also, if you notice, Jesus is cut off, but not for himself, for the people. So this this also correlates with the other prophecies that Daniel goes on about. It's really, really interesting. Um, I think, anyway. (laughs) I just wanted to share my thoughts. Because... 
truth is literally being thrown to the ground. You know, when you tell people, listen, this is what they want to do. They want you to eat bugs, eat insects, own nothing, and you'll be happy. And they want to augmentate you and make you half robot, half humans. And this is on the government website of the UK government. Plus, there's the UK government army advert, which also depicts everybody as robots, half human, half robots. Yes, really evil. It's a bit like the uh, films, you know, iRobot is one of them. So many there are. Um, I'll be back. What's his name? Arnold Schwarzenegger, Terminator. That's another thing as well. The, the word Terminator is to extinguish and completely obliterate, to finish, to kill, to terminate, finish, kill. Why is it called Terminator? Because it's to extinguish the human race. This is exactly what's happening right now. So, um, so I believe that Christians need to defend the truth. This is very important because it is a war between truth and lies. Um, and if you go away from the truth, then you're led astray. So you've got to fight to stay in the truth and stand by the truth. So you've got to have it inside you and outside you. So it's supernatural. It's spiritual and every way you behave and the way you portray yourself spiritually, emotionally, mentally, in every possible way. Um, so I thought this is very important as well. Because um, I think it's all about the truth, the word, the life and the light. That's what I think it's all about. This is a current war between truth and lies. So I've had people say, oh, it doesn't really matter. You know, these all these other people, they're praying to God. No, they're not. There's only one God. And then there's Satan. And he's our enemy. And he's God's enemy. God's enemy needs to be your enemy. You need to identify your enemies yeah, also in order for you to identify the liars. Yeah. So the Lord showed me that the people at the Vatican and uh, so the Catholic Church and the Muslims and the fake Jews, they all worship Allah, which is Nimrod, which is Baal. Yes. So they all worship the same God. It's very interesting, you know, it's like a secret. But the Lord showed it to me and I found it is it's worked out to be true. Mm, very interesting. It is very interesting. Hmm. So, uh, so we've got to know God's word to fight the, the lies. So that's important as well, to know the Bible, become more familiar with it, so that you can stand in it and be confident when you're speaking against lies, because then you can quote scripture, which is the only truth. It should be your only fact checker. If things don't match up with what the Bible says as history, because it's all in there, then you know it must be lies. Like, for example... You know Nebuchadnezzar, uh, once uh, he conquered um, Jerusalem and the Lord paid him by giving him Egypt. But first he conquered Egypt as well and he destroyed Egypt. And that's why Egypt currently sits there as being destroyed. No inhabitants is there, just like the Bible said it would be. So that fits my Bible. 
And I think, well, that happened then at the time Jerusalem was conquered. Around the same time, Nebuchadnezzar also conquered Egypt. Very interesting, don't you think? Ah, for me, it's very interesting. It's all about finding what's happened in the Bible as proof. Uh, Also, timing, trying to work out times, because they've changed all the times. Uh, Really have. So, yes, what else have we got? Uh, we have to demolish all the lies and stand up for the truth, as it tells us in 2 Corinthians 10, colon 5. We must be obedient to our own master. So we choose our master. So we choose to either be slaves to sin or slaves to the truth. And, I, you know, I say I'm a slave to Jesus Christ because I belong to Christ. And therefore... As well, in that, I'm in the truth, but also Satan has no dominion in my life because I'm fully wholly saved and in the truth. And also you should know that, you know. That's why I do the daily prayer, daily sinner's prayer, because Jesus is our daily sacrifice and our daily bread as well. Lost our music. Internet's down, I think. Okay. Uh, (laughs) But also... In our fight, it's about finding the lies. So you could under- identify the lies, and then once you've figured out that it's a lie, you need to work your way through it to expose it, unravel it, and then totally expose and exterminate the lie with the sword of truth, which is a weapon. Notice that it's a sword, you know. Um, it's not a hammer. <laughs> it's a sword, and it's a two-edged sword. And it really does cut to the bone. Um, so I found. And he made you a masterpiece. Yeah. And he can redeem you from any situation. So don't ever think that you're not good enough. Um, and we've got to be sure that we are standing with God. So regular chats with the Lord. When you can remember. Hello me. It's me here. How are you? Diddly dumb and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, the Lord knows what you need before you ask for it as well. Um, but, you know, just talk to him. Don't worry about what anyone else thinks. You can do it in your head or out aloud as well. Um, so, and the Lord will perform wonderful miracles in your life, really. Um, remember that Satan hates you. And his fallen angels also hate you. And they seek to destroy you. So this is important to know as well. Um, Okay. (sighs) So um, I've already told you that um, Jesus color um, and all this other stuff. Now that got someone quite offended on one of the channels. So I wanted to read uh, some responses to what I said, just to give you an idea of my thinking, you know. Um, So so I've put here, yes, we can all come to Christ if we decide to follow the God of Abraham and Jesus Christ and acknowledge Jesus' sacrifice that he came to earth and died on the cross and repent of our sins. This is correct. We can all be joined as in the body of Christ. 
But also, in us establishing whether someone is a Christian or, or not, I have some questions. In India, what is their religion and culture? In Africa, who do the Afrikaans worship? In Turkey, what is their religion and who is their God? In Saudi Arabia, what's their religion and who is their God? In Africa, with all the different black tribes, what is their main culture, religion? And which God do they prominently worship? In Greece, what is their culture and religion? Which God do they worship? In Germany, what is their culture and religion? Which God do they worship? In America, what is their religion? And what God do they worship predominantly? It's important, isn't it? I think. Because <laughs> I think we've lost our identity, haven't we? Everybody else has their God. But we can't claim that our God is our God, can we? It's very interesting, because he gets called, called a racist. Yes. And he gets told that the Chinese God was also Abraham's God. No, this is lies. Anyway, in England, what is the main culture and religion, and who do they worship as God? Number 11, in Italy, who are they celebrating in their religion and culture? Which is their God? Why do I ask these questions? Well, for me, it helps me establish what type of people they are. And if I'm going on holiday, I have an idea of their culture, um, where it comes from, and what they celebrate, and why they do it in their nation as a whole. So I find different cultures interesting from for this perspective, but also to establish um, and work out which God they actually worship, and whether it's the same God as myself. And then I'm saying, oh, yes, you're probably going to say that there are Christians all over the world. Yes, of course there are. There are Christians all over the world because they've been told to preach the gospel across the world and save as many people as possible, bring them to the Lord. This is true, but this is not what God meant. Yes, when God was saying about uh, Abraham being the son, his father of nations, this is a choice. We've all been given. So the story of Ruth is a really good example. She was um, a Moabite, and she was given the opportunity to follow the Lord, and so she did. And so Naomi, her stepmother, um, was going back to Jerusalem, and there had been a famine, and Jerusalem was doing quite well with food. And... Both Naomi's sons had died, and their wives, one of them stayed with her, which was Ruth, and said, I want to follow your God. And she said, your God will become my God, and I'll become his child. And she didn't want to go back home. So that was a good example, and she ended up um, marrying Boaz, who was also half Moabite. Very interesting. And, um, and then, obviously, you've got um, David, who was the second king appointed over Jerusalem, Apple of God's Eye, who I think is the grandson of um, of Ruth, great-grandson. So there we are. So this is important to remember as well. Um, so people can be grafted in. Yes, of course they can. Hmm. So the next question I need to ask is, what, what did Jesus tell his disciples? Yeah. Well, he told them to go and preach the gospel to all the nations and to raise the dead, heal the sick, baptizing them, casting out demons in the name of Jesus, repenting of their sins, 
becoming reborn. Yes. Making disciples of many nations, raising the dead and all of that. But when Jesus came here, what did he say about the people of God? Did he mention them? Well, yes, he did. Let's see what he said. Then Jesus said to them, said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. Does this mean that Jesus does not want to save other people? Well, of course not. Otherwise, he would have told his disciples to be selective about who they would go to and preach the gospel to, wouldn't he? So Jesus would not contradict himself. So what do you think Jesus meant then when he was telling them that he had, they, that he had come to preach to the lost sheep, as in the lost tribes of Israel? If I may, I'd like to express my opinion in this, and that is that the tribes of Israel had been scattered, and that he was in search of the lost tribes. But they were lost as well, all over the world, the original tribes of Israel. And I would imagine not all of the tribes would have been placed locally, because if they had been, then we would have been told that Jesus, telling, turning round and speaking to the Jews, if he would have said that they were the Israelites, wouldn't he? He would have said, are oh, you also children of Israel? But he said, no, you're children of Satan. So the Jews and the Sadducees, uh, Sadducees, writers of the law, and the Pharisees are not the children of God or Abraham. They were the tribe of Satan one of the mongrel tribes mixed in probably the edomites the sadducees and the amalek amalek but also there would have been zara's tribe which is um one of the strings of judah as well and they came out of uh, captivity early okay so there we go and that's why god goes on about judah as well but anyway the pharisees and all of that are the children of Satan, as far as I can tell, because they're not uh, seeking to do the will of God and they turn God's house into a bank. They stop people getting through to God. This is still happening with, the God, with all the churches and they've got so many denominations, haven't they, as well? Mm. So, yes, I think it's very interesting. Um, there was one nation that was chosen and I think any nation can come to Christ. But I do not agree with people trying to tell me that the Chinese always worshipped God of Abraham, for example. And I know that's a lie. So in a sense, what I'm, I'm not being a racist by pointing this out. I'm just trying to identify who my enemies are <coughs> and what their religions are. Because these religions of other nations worship idols. And they are pagans, and they sacrifice their children to Satan. So we can't have them pretending to be Christians and infiltrating our churches, can we? And when we notice this happens, we need to, to identify the lie and point it out, don't we? And we need to correct it and tell people that the, the stuff they're believing is lies. That's what I'm doing. Also with Solomon, we've got the story of Solomon. He had so many wives and concubines. Um, so I think it was something like 1,000 wives or whatever. Anyway, and for 500 concubines or more, whatever it was. can't remember which way around it was. But yes, he had so many that he ended up worshipping idols and following their gods and strange beliefs of the pagan wives that he married. And God said to him, please, please don't marry strange tribes. Don't follow after them because you will betray me 
and you'll stop loving me and you'll follow other gods. And God begged him, well, not begged him, but pleaded with him, you know, and then he didn't listen. So this is a really good illustration. And Solomon was very blessed and given incredible wisdom. And if Solomon can go off the wrong way, then we've got to be very careful that we, we don't mix with pretenders. Yes, this is it as well. I believe God's people need their own place as well, where they can worship God and be in peace and not be defiled by the twisted, corrupt, evil, pagan, Baal worshippers that are currently in control of the world. So this was my thinking, and this is where I've developed it in my mind. The world as a structure is the um, very epitome of evil currently. The mark of the beast is here. The revelation is unfolding. Jesus Christ is returning. It's the end times now, as far as I'm concerned. And it's essential that we get the message out to as many people as possible. But at the same time, we need to remain with our people. And that, uh, by that, I mean we need a sanctuary and a place we can call our own. China has China. India has India. Do you see what I'm saying? Turkey, Muslims have their own countries. But English, white people in England don't. It's become a Muslim country. Yeah, it's run by um, a, a, a uh, Mr. Sunak, who is um, worships a different god completely. Yes, and he's got more money than any of the royals. So his motivation for this position is not for money or our interests, is it, as a nation of England. It's only to exterminate and destroy from inside, yeah? This is not our chum, yeah? Because if you notice all the invading nations that are coming in, they rape all the young girls and they prostitute them and they kill them and they turn them into slaves. And uh, it's really disgusting. So there we go. And then uh, why did Jesus say that he was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel? Jesus was in the area of Tyre and Sidon, the coastal region in extreme northeast of Galilee, Matthew 15, colon 21, when a Canaanite woman came to him with a request to heal her demon-possessed daughter. For a while, Jesus did not respond to the woman's entreaties, and she followed him and continued to beg for mercy. Finally, the disciples, feeling that the woman was a nuisance, asked Jesus to send her away. Then Jesus said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Matthew fifteen twenty four. We should understand Jesus' words here, not as an outright rejection of the not Gentiles, but the people not of God. Moments later, he heals the woman's daughter, Matthew 15, colon 28. But as a fulfillment of prophecy, a setting of priorities, and a test of the woman's faith. In Jeremiah 50, colon 6, God calls Israel his people and lost sheep. The Messiah, spoken of throughout the Old Testament, was seen as the one who would gather the lost sheep in Ezekiel 34, colon 23 to 24, Mika. 5 colon 4 to 5 when Jesus presented himself as a shepherd to Israel 
He was claiming to be the fulfillment of the Messianic, Messianic prophecy. Mark 6, colon 34, John 10, colon 11, and Hebrews 13, 20, 1 Peter 5, colon 4, and Revelation 7, colon 17. Jesus' words to the Canaanite woman also show an awareness of Israel's place in God's plan of salvation. God revealed through Moses that the children of Israel were a holy people to the Lord chosen a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. Deuteronomy 7 colon 6. It was through the Jews, or actually the Israelites, that God issued his law, preserved his word, and sent his son. This is why elsewhere Jesus tells a Samaritan that salvation is of the Hebrews. John 4 colon 22 in Matthew 15, when Jesus says that he was sent to the house of Israel, he simply is connecting his presence with God's purpose in the Old Testament. So Christ was born under the law to redeem those who were born under the law in Galatians 4 colon 4 to 5. So it's about understanding who you are and why Christ came here. See how essential it is. And the only way to do this is to start looking at all the nations of the world and asking questions. Like I've said, you know, <clears throat> I noticed that if I say God is my God of Abraham, uh, Abraham is my father, yeah, and uh, Jesus is my savior, and um, other people also want to claim that he was always their God as well, but this is, cannot be the case. This is important to work out also. It is. Might not be pleasant for people, but it's a fact. Um, so finally, uh, Jesus' words to the Canaanite woman served as a test of her faith. She came to Jesus believing that he was the Lord, the son of David, the giver of mercy. And he delayed his answer seemingly as a statement brought from her further, a passionate pub public expression of her faith in his unlimited power that you can find in Matthew fifteen twenty two. So in this, I also said, I also have some further questions, which I'd also like to raise with you in Turkey. They have a different religion and they worship a different God, which is the Muslim religion. They worship Allah, which is Satan. Do you know what they think of Christians? Do you think that the people of Turkey are our friends? Do they have our best interests in their heart? Well, I can give you the answer and that is, they really don't like us and they actually want to kill us. All right, that is the fact. So they worship a different God and they hate us. So what would happen if you had someone like this in charge of God's people? Do you think they'd have any hesitation in exterminating us? I actually think they'd just kill us off quite quickly without hesitation. And this is because they are told in their religion to get rid of all the Christians and kill them all. So what am I trying to say here? Well, I'm trying to say is that we need, through my illustration above, is we need to distinguish God's people from who are not God's people. But also, can I identify who our enemies are? Next question. Are all the people on earth God's children? No, they are not. 
We know that the earth is described by Jesus as the farm for the Lord and that God's seed is the wheat and it is sown in the ground and then Satan comes and sows his seed which is the weeds right next to the wheat and this means that there are children of Satan on earth and there are children of God on earth and the harvest is when all the wheat's ready then it's harvested because you can't harvest you can't pull out the weeds before the wheat's ready so we have to grow together Next question. Which God do the children of Satan worship? Well, they worship Satan, don't they? So then we've got to decide which God is Satan. Would you agree? So yes. My understanding as to Satan's identity identity is Lucifer is his name, and the devil, Baal, Nimrod, among many other names. That's given me that's given me a good start. Good. So now that we have established that we have an identity of the children of God and we also have the identity of Satan and their, the offspring of Satan, their religion, it relates to this evil set of weeds that we have on earth. So we also have what we know about Allah and the God of the Jews and the Muslims and the Vatican is the same, same God. But they all serve Satan, don't they? So they, all of these different religions and cultures, if you notice, they, don't have, they all have their own identity, different names, but they all worship the same God. They also display the same characteristics like their father, Satan. Some of them don't go to church, some of them do go to church, and some of them pretend to be Christians so that they can try and destroy God's people from the inside. So yes, I do get protective about the people of God, and I also get protective when people tell me that we should mix and combine forces with different nations and cultures because they say it doesn't matter. Well, it does matter. This is a lot of nonsense because it really does matter. Because if you haven't noticed, they're trying to kill off God's people. And there's nowhere in the world that is run by godly principles, is there? There isn't a nation of God. There is a nation of Satan in fake Israel, and they run the world, if you notice. They do. All the nations give their money to Satan's children. They do. So we've got to be very careful who we mix with. They're trying to kill us all off. We don't have anywhere to run as the nation of God, do we? We're getting to the point where we're not allowed to speak the truth. We're not allowed to speak the word of God, just as it says in Daniel. Um, And so we've got to identify our friends from our foes, I think. Yeah. Uh, Also, we've got blessings and curses. If you don't carefully follow all the words of this law, which are written in this book, and you do not revere the glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God, the Lord will send fearful plagues on you and your descendants, harsh and prolonged disasters and severe lingering illnesses. He will bring on you all the diseases of Egypt that you dreaded, and they will cling to you. The Lord will also bring on you every kind of sickness and disaster not recorded in this book of the law until you are destroyed. You who are as numerous as the stars in the sky will be left but few in number because you did not obey the Lord your God. 
just as it pleased the Lord to make you prosper and increase you in number, so it will please him to ruin and destroy you. You will be uprooted from the land you are entering in to possess. Then the Lord will scatter you among all the nations from end to end of the earth. There you will worship other gods, gods of wood and stone, which neither you nor your ancestors have known. Among those nations you will find no repose, no resting place for the sole of your foot. There the Lord will give you an anxious mind, eyes weary and longing, and despairing heart. You will live in constant suspense, filled with dread, both night and day, never sure of your life. In the morning you will say, if only it it were evening, and in the evening, if only it were morning, because of the terror that will fill your hearts and the sights that your eyes will see. The Lord will send you back in ships to Egypt on a journey I said you should never make again. There you will offer yourselves for sale to your enemies as male and female slaves, but no one will buy you. Why has that happened? Yes, it's happened to us. I'm sorry, guys. Because we didn't follow God, we became more wicked than the nation of Egypt when he rescued us. First, there was the flood of Noah, and he rescued eight people. Then we have Egypt being rescued from Egypt, where he split the sea. And then he gave us all the laws and what not to do. We didn't listen. But what we have is we have hope in Jesus. So if you like, we might be scattered. This is so beautiful what the Lord's just shown me. I think he's trying to express his love for everyone now. Where we were scattered across the whole world because we didn't follow God. Yeah, Jesus has done a mystery. He has laid his seeds all over the earth that they may germinate and come alive. And the Holy Spirit, which is like the wind and goes where it wants, will ignite and awaken in those people and unite the body of Christ. Even though it's all over the world, it'll be united in this way. Yeah. It's very beautiful. And it actually also matters not that people pretend to be children of God, because in the final days it will unfold. But it is very unfortunate because many of God's children who are scattered are believing the lies. And for me, this is very sad that they uh, pray for Satan's children in fake Israel. Yeah. Why? Because no one's taught them the word of God properly. And um, they're too busy as well. I've noticed this. Satan really makes it so that you've got to work all the hours so that you can pay for your bills and eat and you haven't got time to read the gospel and know the r- real word, the truth. So you rely on priests and people in churches and they don't teach you everything. They don't tell you all the stories. Yeah. So, you know, most of you guys know the story of Jacob and Esau. Yeah. And Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of stew and Jacob was the father of the 12 tribes of Israel but what you probably don't know is the story of Judah and Judah had a a Canaanite wife and he had three sons and um, the first son 
had a, a wife called Tamar, and she was a pure breed Judah. But the three sons of Judah, yeah, they were all um, really evil because they were half Can. Well, they were all Canaanite. Well, they would have been half Canaanite, yeah, because of this Canaanite woman that Judah had gone with. So <laughs> the funny story is, right, the three sons, God killed them all, yeah, but um, because they, they were evil, right? And, it's lots, and they kept having, uh, they, they wouldn't have babies and, and all this with uh, well, Tamar was promised to the final son. And uh, so she didn't really want it to happen because she'd waited all this time. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, she thought, right, okay. So she was out, well, Judah's wife had died. And so Judah was uh, quite upset and he was out and about, you know, as he would be in the situation. And Tamar was dressed like a prostitute and ended up going to bed with her. And he asked her, how much will it cost me to go to bed with you? And she said, well, the price of a goat will be fine. (laughs) But he didn't recognize her. So he went to bed with her. And um, but he said, you can have my ring and my staff and my, I think his cloak as well, um, as a promise that, you know, I'll send, send the goat for you as payment. Anyway, later she gets pregnant and she's got twins. Um, and Judah hears about this pregnancy, doesn't realize it's his babies, yeah. And so he says, oh, you know, you need to get her killed and whatever. Um, then she says, well, whoever's ring this is and whoever's staff, staff this is and whoever's cloak this is, this is uh, the father of the, of the babies. Yeah. So then Judah knew it was him. And so she had two kids, two tw- uh, twin boys. And the first one that came out with an with, with just a hand, um was Zara and uh, and they put a little red band around Zara's wrist yeah little string okay the, but then Zara pulled pulled his hand back in <laughs> and then out came Perez and Perez was the first proper born full born child but Zara was very unhappy with this so Zara and Perez went to war with one another if and they hated one another so this is another story that isn't really looked at. And a lot of people say that, you know, there's a lady called Tamar in the stories of Jericho and she was a prostitute or something, yeah? And that Jesus' people come through that. No, 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 you got the wrong there, I think. That's why I think, all right, because there's two Tamars. And Tamar is the one that is the pure breed Judah. So anyway, <laughs> Pares, um was with the tribes of Judah um, at the time Jerusalem was conquered. Yeah. But Zara had gone off um, and was conquered with the Assyrian conquest, Yeah, which took place a bit earlier. All right. So there was ten and a half tribes that were conquered at first. And then you've got the rest. Yes, we got conquered by Nebuchadnezzar. That gives you an idea... There was some division, all right? 
And uh, so Judah, in the prophecies of Jacob, um, when um, these prophecies were made, right in Genesis, um, the tribe of Judah would always have a scepter, a rulership of some kind. Um, Obviously, I believe also once Jesus came, this would have been fulfilled. So I don't know what would have happened after Jesus came because I've studied that as well. All right, I'm just telling you what I think, right? But I think what's happened is, you know how the Edomites, which is Esau, Jacob's brother, who sailed his um, birthright for a bowl of stew, he was really uh, annoyed that this had happened to him. So he then went and he actually mated and married all different tribes, Esau. But he never ever married into his own tribe and had children of his own tribe, yeah? So he mongrelized and mixed up all the nations, yeah? Then also the Jebusites, who were really bad, which uh, Paul, the first king, never killed out, and he should have, and that's why his kingship was taken away, and David was appointed the second king, was because he didn't kill, I think it was the Canaanite uh, princess. Yeah? And this guy became Naaman. There was a, the story in Esther where all the Israelites were nearly killed by Naaman. Um, and he was a descendant of this queen, yeah, from the Canaanites. So all because we didn't do what we told, we were told by God, because he told us to destroy our enemies, every single last one of them, yeah, because they worshipped pagan gods and they were evil in their heart. Only God can know. Yeah, so this happened. And so just like this, the Zara tribe, yeah, were very jealous. Um, and so if you notice on the TVs, they wear a little red string, a lot of them, don't they? Have you noticed that? Also, the Lord gets quite angry with the tribe of Judah in the prophecies. Yeah, I always wondered about that because uh, Jesus comes through the tribe of Judah and obviously if you're saved through the blood of Christ and you're reborn through Christ, then you're automatically folded into the children of God through the tribe of Judah as well, which I've done a sermon on as well. So anyway, I think it's very interesting to study it a little bit more, just have a bit more understanding of what's gone on. And I believe after um, Jesus died, there was some type of reset. Okay, this is what I think. And I think that um, they, they totally scattered us really badly big 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 it was a really big mess okay and uh, they took us out of the country that we come from they put us all over the world and uh, when we were taken uh, out then uh, in the story of Nebuchadnezzar we were taken to Caucasia on the way to Babylon as well okay Uh, so that this Caucasian word comes from that Apparently. So this I find really interesting, just trying to identify who I am, because I want to know. Um, <laughs> I think it's all about finding the truth, isn't it? Yeah. So 
Also, there's something else that came into my head. You know, when the Tower of Babel was built, um, and the Lord scattered us, and he divided the nations. So, Because before that, we all spoke one language, yeah? And don't forget that Nimrod had his power because the children of Ham had taken the clothing from Adam and Eve. Yeah, and that's why he had a lot of power. His clothes must have been supernatural, I reckon. This is my thinking, yeah? <laughs> Alrighty. So, um, this Nimrod is was worshipped like a god. He must have had supernatural powers, yeah? So anyway, <laughs> when the Lord divided them up, I believe that's when we, we all got different colors, properly, like that. It's a thought that's gone through my mind, because all the languages were changed. It would make sense that the languages were changed, and uh, all of the colors and uh, the different tones of skin and everything else came into being, possibly, at that time. Yeah, that's what I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yes. I think you've got uh, got the Bible, but also Cain. It's important to know about Cain, you know. He's not in the the descendants or the lineage of of any of them, yeah. It's important. So in Genesis, it really lists the lineage. So lineage is important. And and then Cain, because of what he did, uh, he was frightened that, you know, everyone would kill him and whatever. So God marked him so that everyone would know who Cain's tribe was. So he had such a mark that was different to Abel, that was completely different, and that everyone would know, just by looking at them, that they were the people of Cain. Yes. And the land of Canaan is Barbaria, which is Africa, because Conan the Barbarian is a giant and comes from Barbaria. Here you are. So I believe after this thing with Jesus, they put all the original nations back as much as they could, just to confuse us. And they they swapped some names around as well. (laughs) And the Dead Sea Scrolls, as well, I've already talked about. The Dead Sea Scrolls that they say that they found a lot of the the scrolls are written in New Hebrew, which was only reinvented in the 1900s, so they cannot be original. So we've got to be careful what we rely on in terms of information. Yes. So, as you can see, I'm on a search, and I'm, I'm just bringing you what I find, okay? Um, uh, love you all in Christ. Also, just a reminder, the speaking in new tongues or new lips, which is in Zephaniah 3, um, says that the remnant will be rescued and a kingdom will be started. Um, and the speaking with new lips is just the same as the revelation where the, they speak with clean lips, clean lips, new lips, same thing, um, which is they're wearing white garments, the saints. So somehow connected with speaking the truth and having no lies in your mouth. Okay, so in Zephaniah 3, it's talking about that. Um, and so, and it's the tribe of Judah that leads the way with the truth, which would make sense as the sword of truth, as Jesus is the sword of truth. And so, um, the, the fake Jews 
have taken that and then said, oh, because we created our new version of Jewish, because it had been out of use for so many years, yeah, thousands of years or whatever, if we're to go by the current year system, um, then uh, this doesn't fulfill the prophecy because it doesn't match what's written in the revelation with the words either. So that's another reason I know that the fake Jews are fake. Yeah. Because it's about the revelation also says there's the people who were found faithful and true in the Lord. They didn't take the mark of the beast. and There was no lies on their lips. Same words, same concordance, strong word. Okay. So the that's what it means in Zephaniah 3. So I believe to be that remnant, we have to be so very, very protective over the truth and not accepting lies. I do think it's about having complete purity and truth inside you uh, so that uh, you're not believing lies and you're not supporting liars. Because also it's black and white, yeah, it's good and bad, rich and poor. You can only be on one team, you can't serve two masters, okay? So if you support fake Jews, then you're sitting on the fence because you're trying to please fake Jews but you can't please Satan and God. You can only serve one God. So as uncomfortable as it is, because we've been so indoctrinated, I really think it's important to research everything. Yes, Uh, because I know that the Edomites mixed in with the Ishmaelites, which are the Arabs, okay? Because Abraham had a second wife after Sarah died, and her name was Keturah. They had five children. And those five children went off with the Ishmaelites and became the Arabs. Yeah. And the Ishmaelites mated with the Edomites. And um, we know this because it tells us this in the Bible. And um, also, Jacob had really big problem. Uh, not Jacob. Um, Abraham had big problems with Esau. Really, Isaac, I beg your pardon. Isaac had big problems with Esau to the point where, um, you know, they, they had real big problems with Esau. Also, important to know is that Jacob went to go and live in Egypt with his 12 sons after the story of Joseph, where Joseph had... Um, become like Pharaoh um, and they'd had their famines and all that. So, you know, all of those stories about Joseph. So when Jacob died, Joseph's brothers and Joseph tried to take Jacob to the cave that they had bought, that Abraham had bought, yeah, um, to bury Jacob. But Esau and his tribes who'd taken over the land again, yeah, that we had conquered, he had now taken it over. Okay, you understanding? And he wouldn't let uh, the brothers bury Jacob in the cave. All right. Yet they had to fight the, the children of Esau, yeah, to get their father buried there. All right. So this gives you an idea that when uh, when Joseph and his brothers moved over to Egypt, 
they they didn't have that long down there and by the time they came to bury their father yeah this is what happened yeah so um got to remember that yeah and esau's children obviously they were involved in all of this as well yeah so So when you read the Bible and know the stories, then you get an idea of what's really occurred here. Yeah. But also, uh, it's all according to the plan of the Lord. Ah, <laughs> oh, dear me. But basically, it's a bit like having a psycho ex-husband or ex-wife, yeah? You know when um, you've decided... You've tolerated it and they've beat you and they've been abusive and you've, you've really tried to make it work. And then finally you make a decision and you're like, you know what, I'm not doing this anymore. I don't actually, there's nothing enjoyable about this relationship anymore. I've had enough and I'm going to leave. Yeah, so when you do that in a relationship, you know, you really reached wit's end. Yeah, that you've got to go. So the psycho behavior is, well, if I can't have you, no one can. And not only that, I'm going to destroy you. And even though I've got children with you, I'm going to destroy your children or I'm going to turn your children against you. And I'm never going to help you with the children. And I'm going to do everything I can to make your life a living hell because I can't have you. Um, and it's not because they want you back. It's because they're trying to prove to everyone else that they are not wicked, that you're the bad one. Yeah. So they become like bunny boilers. Yeah. Psychos. Really evil. And so this is kind of what's happened with uh, the enemy tribes. Yeah. And so if they can't have it, no one's having it. And they'll do anything. But uh, also in the uh, prophecies, you've got all the kingdoms, yeah, without without their kingdoms. These are kings without kingdoms, the ten kingdoms. And I believe those are the World Economic Forum and all those things. Um, and they will literally be competing for power. Why? You know, I told you about the psycho. Well, guess what happens with the psycho? You see... Psycho's enemy is also Satan's enemy. Yeah. Because they tend to be children of God. Because they don't fight back. And they just think that this is maybe a normal relationship. They'll tolerate it. They can have that with their own parents even. Just because they're not experienced and they don't have anyone else telling them this isn't acceptable. So in the same way... We've all grown up with not knowing the truth. So we think that the truth that we're taught is the truth and it doesn't make it the truth. Yeah, we just really all we've all got to work together to search for the truth. What's really occurred. Yeah. Um, and so I believe that um, part of the tribes of Judah are still in charge, possibly. Uh, but then I think they sold out because they weren't going to get the full pie. They felt a bit jealous. So that would explain the sort of blue bloodlines in charge of the royal kingdom. And we might as well talk about the UK. 
we've got King Charles, right, who's running this show, and his fingers look like they're going to explode because they're so swollen. Poor little guy. Um, apparently, he won't be around long. And then some son will come along and run things for a little while, and then he, he will go. But apparently, he, he will abdicate. But what's important to notice is their emblems on their their throne and, and their gates, the seal is. Uh, and I will do a sermon on that because I think it's really interesting. They've got a lion and they've got a unicorn. And unicorns did exist. This is the other thing that's very interesting. <laughs> but anyway, they are the, the king or the queen of England. It's normally the head of the Church of England. And uh, King Charles wants to exterminate everyone. So he can't be, you know, supporting the Church of England. This also means that the, as it happens at the top, it'll cycle down. So whatever's going to happen will start at the top. And so then it'll ro roll down. So if they're accepting LGBT teachings in the Church of England schools, which is the UK church schools, then that's where we've got a problem with Charles. And that's really only started to really happen since Charles was put in charge as king. Yeah. And he did a World Economic Forum speech in 2020, and he talks about the this time, yeah, where there's going to be a ruler. In a certain way, he discusses it right at the end. So watch it. He talks in a coded language. Yes. Um, millions of billions. Money isn't an object to exterminate the people, basically. All right. So be aware of who your enemies are. Okay. Um, the only friend we've got is God, literally. And uh, but we are joined together in the spirit. That's what I believe. That's why it's important to pray for one another. Because most of the people who are scattered and really the true tribe of Israel don't even know who they are. But we need to tell them. Okay. Right, let me pray and close. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that you came to earth and died on the cross for my sins. I beg forgiveness for my sins. I wish to follow you. I know you are the Son of God and I know that I'm a sinner. I'm washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. Please help me to forgive others as you've forgiven me. And if I've done anything wrong, please help me to fix it also. I cast out all demons, hexes, curses, witchcraft, Satan and his cronies in the name of Jesus. And if my family have followed pagans, witchcraft, Satanism, Freemasons or the Masons or anything evil, then I ask that you remove that right now, any generational curses that might be upon me and my family to break those chains and release us now in the name of Jesus. And I take a deep breath and in your peace and your joy and your grace that you've given us, not because of our works, but because you love us. I am saved by the blood of Jesus. Please give us the wisdom and understanding to navigate this world. Peace and joy in my heart, spirit and mind and soul. I can share the love of Jesus Christ with others that they may also come to know the truth about Jesus. Please give us the funds, finances to support ourselves, 
have a roof over our head and food in our bellies, with jobs, transport and all the things we need to function. You know what we need before we need it. I pray for everyone listening as well. Please get rid of any dis-ease or illnesses and provide supernatural healing in the name of Jesus. And if the demons see us, let them flee and be petrified. I pray right now in the name of Jesus. We pray that we're pleasing to you, Father, as well in your eyes and not an embarrassment to you. Thank you for saving a wretch like me. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray you're having a lovely day up there in heaven. Big kiss. Say hi to everyone. And this is Aisha from God FM. Have a great day, everyone.